I hope you guys are all well. Definitely all the teachers are ready for holiday, and it's the best time to be in Bahrain, but so many of you guys are leaving us in this festive season. But I'm definitely ready. And uh, as I was preparing this week, it was kind of interesting just, you know, the ways of God, and obviously we want to be obedient to what He shares. And so just before I went to bed last night, I had this impression that God was going to wake me up early this morning, and He did. And within 10 minutes of waking up and having my first coffee, he said, all right, now we're going to do this at a different angle. So I don't have any slides for you this morning, but I want to be obedient to what God has put in my heart. And so let's go. So I had all my notes in a certain way with a certain outcome. And um, to be honest, from a, from a um, point of view of being prepared, I've always dreaded this day coming, but you want to be faithful and obedient. And so that's what I'm going to try my best with this morning. And so um, a few weeks ago, Ray started sharing a little bit about being devoted and being honoring. And so the next obvious thing for me was to talk about discipline, not in the sense of punishment, but disciplines in the sense of habits, things that we do. And as I was debating whether or not to go down that way, I started thinking, well, I mean, it's good that you have disciplines, but that should lead to something, and then to the point of being transformed. And then I thought, okay, God, let me debate whether or not I'm going to be looking at some of the outcomes. And then, as I said, my angle completely changed. And so, just as a precursor, as I get started, in 1 Timothy 4, it says, have nothing to do with worldly fables fit for only old women. Not going to comment on that. On the other hand, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance, for it is for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers." And so if you've been around church, it would probably not be the first time where you hear about how good it is to exercise and how good it is for you physically and that there's spiritual disciplines that will really just help and also help us to grow in our understanding of who we are in Christ. And so obviously with these disciplines, we then have more opportunities to be changed to the likeness of Jesus. And so just a few of them to mention is daily reading, studying of God's Word, daily praying and talking to God, which sometimes doesn't come so easy. I don't know about you, um, just something that I heard recently, which I thought, man, it's so good to really share, is that, you know, some people have the gift of of praying, and so, you know, if that one person is in, in the group praying, you know, they will cover everything, and you'll be sitting there wondering, what can I add to it? And you just say amen afterwards. So some people can really pray for hours and hours. Um, I probably could, but it doesn't come as naturally for me. And then I heard someone said this. He said, it's kind of like thinking about being married. You don't just wake up in the morning and say to your wife, I only have time, or your husband, from 6 to 7 to talk to you. And I only will have time to speak to you tomorrow at 6 and 7. And throughout the day, you never speak about anything ever again. And I really like that analogy because I think sometimes we, we can treat it that way. 
you know, I do my morning check, I've spoken to God, and see you tomorrow. However, I like the idea that throughout my day, I see things, I witness things, I'm grateful for something, and I just have these short, little, constant snippets. Meralda was here, she would probably say and confirm the amount of times, and I find that it's maybe a general thing, that you just want to make sure that what she told you, you're sure of. So I get a list, go to the store, and then I call her. I said, listen, you said it is a blue box, but now they have the red box. Do I? No, no, no. Take the green box. And so it's not that I can't do it myself. It's just the fact that if I go home, I know I'm going to have to go again. And so I'd rather just make sure that I have the right thing from the beginning. And so if you were to look at my wife's call log, then you would probably see when I was at the store, because it would probably be five or six calls in like less than five minutes, just to be sure that I get it right. And so, in all seriousness, I really want to employ you, if not, it just becomes so easy to just have those small little moments as things happen, to be grateful and thankful, and just incredible to see what it does, versus just having that few check um, moments throughout the day. Then the most obvious thing is to regularly worship together, honoring God with our finances first, serving the body, um, hanging out with other believers. And then I came to the realization, well, this is only outcomes after the initial transformation. And that's where my head started to um, think about it a little bit differently. And so a very familiar scripture to start off with is Romans 12 verses 2. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is and which is good and acceptable and perfect. And that word renewing, I'm going to try my best um, here, uh, Nicholas. It's a Greek word called, and I spelled it out here, anakainosis. Anakainosis, which means the renewing. Process of continual, gradual process not an external, but an internal transformation that takes place day by day, year by year, as we are exposed to the glory of God. Another translation puts it this, it says, or a definition is, a complete change for the better, a makeover of the mind and soul. And the question is how and by what? And it can only be by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that renews, transforms us, and how does this happen? By these disciplines, by engaging, and by frequently. However, there is a story of Paul. And the story of Paul is what I want to look at a little bit today, and then hopefully um, be able to put it all together nicely. So this renewal can also be called the sanctification, which just means that progressively we become less and less, and we become more and more to the likeness of Christ. And I'm sure when you hear of an initial transformation or a moment, I want to take you back to maybe the first time where you were introduced to God. For me, it was at university, a few things going on, and as you know how stressful student life can be, I find myself, there was a bit of sarcasm, sorry, um, which is a second language if you're from South Africa sometimes. Um, 
I find myself in a desperate prayer, and I said, God, if you please show me. Simple as that. The next morning, I'm going about my business. I go into the university, go to the library, and up walks a guy that I've seen like five years ago, very good friend at school. And the first thing that he says is, God has a word for you. Okay. And he said, he just, he just said, he heard your prayer last night, and um, he will show you. I thought, no, surely not. Like, where did you live? Do you live maybe next door, you know, saw me or something? Who knows? And that's how it started. Then, as I was in this process, there was a guy at university. He was known as kind of the guy that's first to go to the bar, the last one to not leave, but helped to leave, and living the very worldly life. And then one weekend, he came back, and the Monday, it looked like he looked different. And he said, guys, you're not going to believe it. I went, I can't remember the whole story, but I was not convinced. He said, I found the Lord, he's changed my life, and I'm done with these things. And I thought, no. This guy, no, something's off. And all glory to God. I never saw him drunk again, never saw him in any way, shape, or form. And he was just on fire for God from that instant and radically, radically changed with one encounter over a weekend. And this leads me to the story of Paul, which originally was called Saul of Tarsus. Now, he labels himself, and you will find that in Acts 26 and Acts 8, as the world's worst sinner. He claimed to be the world's worst sinner and had lots of things to support that claim. He lived his life to hurt, injure the needs, kill people who disagreed with him, blasphemed God, make good people who love God suffer and torture. And so you can turn to Acts 9. And I want to read through the story, and I want to take bits and pieces from this encounter of Saul and just kind of build on a little bit from there. All right, Acts 9. We'll read from verse 1 all the way to 20. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in change. Chains. Sorry. As he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground, heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. 
So his companions led him by hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus called Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied. Interesting. Just for a second there. I mean, I wake up many times in the morning at like 3 o'clock, but that's definitely not always my response. Something to think about. Verse 11, the Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, very interesting road, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man, Tarsus, named Saul, a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. Wow, okay. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in, laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about this terrible things the man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So here we have God meeting Saul. Saul is praying. Saul's going to get healed. And then you're going to suffer. It's not the everyday kind of message that you hear. And if you don't know, being a Christian, that is part of our work. Nowhere does it say, come to God and everything will be easy and life will be good. It doesn't say that. But it does say that he has overcome the world and that he has good things for us. If we continue, it says in verse 17, So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hand on him and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me to you that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly something like scales fell off Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. He got up and was baptized. Afterwards he ate some food and regained his strength. And then this is just the next part because I like it. It says, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, he is indeed the Son of God. And so, you know, sometimes we can be our worst critic. I've done this. I fall short. Here's a guy who killed people for the sake of being against. God radically encounters him. And his life is never to be the same. And a lot of what we read, and which I will still get to, is Paul writing to us and the impact that we can see this has had in his life and that we then get to experience. So, he became a complete opposite to what he was. An inward change with eventually outward effects. A few things I want to highlight Ananias goes to him and he says, Brother Saul, this guy was killing fellow believers and Christians. Now you're my brother. Interesting. Filled with the Holy Spirit, and then a few days later, began preaching to the synagogues. 
So an immediate, real transformation. Maybe just something to mention as a sideline. If someone says that they're a Christian and their life is transformed, they have to be in constant contact with God, right? So if someone says I'm a Christian but has no desire to commune with God, and I'll leave that open to you. One of the things of Paul's letters, and as you read throughout the word, is that becoming Christian, coming saved, is all about me. The longer you walk as a Christian, the more you realize that what I have is something that I need to give. I'm not talking about wealth. I'm not talking about riches. Yes, that is part of it. But we become a vessel to give what we have freely received. And that is the light or salvation. Not that we give it. We get to share it. And so as we see Saul from the beginning, who then eventually becomes Paul, he's called to service. Jesus' response in Matthew 20 says, As the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. And we'll look at a few more scriptures, but I want you to understand that we are not to be saved sitting somewhere and not doing anything with it. Every one of us might not be the one that's going to travel the whole world and have a public ministry to share, but each and every one of us, when we are truly saved and transformed, need to understand that my gift is not for me. And that's what you'll see in Romans 12, if we continue from where it talks about the renewed mind. In verse 4 of Romans 12, it says, As our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Verse 6, In His grace, God has given different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God have, has sorry, given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And so to each of us, we're called differently. I will be honest, if you read about the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, I, at some point, as a young Christian, very immature, you know, you see guys flowing in their understanding of your gift. I was very zealous sometimes. I said, God, look at this guy, prophesying. Until one day I read, and it says, the Holy Spirit gives to those. And then something clicked in my mind. Not a very um, intellectual understanding, but I thought, what if... What God has given me is exactly what I should be using. You know, sometimes we can chase after certain things so much, but we don't realize what God has really given us. And that is the best advice that I was given when I started to share a message. It's to say, don't be anyone or anything else. God has gifted you, and through your gift, 
you will flow. Because when we don't, then we sometimes move away from the covering of God. And I think that's sometimes where we mess up when we do things out of our own instead of through Him. So one of the things, especially if you continue to read through Paul's letters, is you realize that there's behavior changes. The transformed life means that there will be things that change. In Corinthians 2, 5, 17, it says, If anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And so, the way that I think about things now gets more and more refined from back when. The things that I talk about change. The way I think about and when I encounter certain things change. It doesn't mean we never ever struggle with it. But it does mean that we are to respond differently. So someone put it this way, so the, the process of real transformation is the process of refining what's useful and eliminating what isn't. As a young Christian, someone came up to me one day, said, you have the gift of speaking. I was like, okay. But he said, you need to watch your mouth. Because with a gift, you can also do damage. And I'll be honest... I have made a couple of mistakes in my life in terms of things that I've said and done. I've sometimes blurted out things, but then God being gracious has helped me to then ask for forgiveness. Which is the second great point that we find in the story of Saul. And I highlighted a few minutes ago is, Ananias' response is, brother. Someone is only a brother if he's like-minded to you in the true sense. In verse 17, he laid his hand on him, brother Saul. What you need to understand is Ananias was a church leader and he was saying, you are now one of us. So part of the transformed or to be transformed, and I want to go through this a little bit, is forgiveness. I mean, it's one of the things that gets highlighted so many times, and it's one of the things that so easily causes a lot of people to struggle for long in their Christian walk. So, in essence, if there's a situation or there is an offense, the quicker we let it go, the less it bothers us, the less it has certain impacts. And I can prove it to you in Matthew 5, verses 23. It says, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there you remember a brother has something against you, leave your offering there at the altar. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come back. Now, there's many ways that you can interpret this, but in some essence, God is saying, it's important for you and your brother to be good before you come to me. This is a bit challenging in Luke 17, but it says on verse 3, Luke 17, verse 3, 
Be on guard. If your brother sin, sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times, saying repent, forgive. How many times have we had something happen to us and then I don't feel like it yet. Can't deal with this. I need time. Maybe next week. Maybe next month I'll be able to forgive, but not right now. The only one you're holding captive is you. The thing is, we, the other person is moving on, sometimes unaware. You're like, look at this guy. Look at what he did. Doesn't seem like it's bothering him because it's probably not. And so from my experience, and this is something that I had to, had to learn, is being someone that has a gift of speaking, I can sometimes very much say things in the moment and then afterwards think, oh no, why did I say that? And then what I had to learn was, well, there's nothing wrong with sending in the other person just a message and saying, hey, I'm really sorry, but I said something, I just want to make sure. 99% of the times, the person will say, what are you talking about? But then it doesn't have a hold on me anymore. I'm not saying forgiving is easy, but I have seen the power of forgiveness in my life when I do. Because forgiveness is essentially a choice, and then the rest of the things kind of flow and follow from it. In Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35, still on the same idea of forgiveness, you probably know this. Peter asked, how many times do I forgive? Seventy times? Seven. Again, many reasons for it, maybe. I personally just think you need to forgive someone so much so that it doesn't have a hold on you anymore. So that you're actually convinced. And if there's still something that comes to your mind and something that you're thinking about and it's making you, then you forgive again. Why? Because we don't want anything hindering us in our walk and our relationship with God. After Peter asked this, Jesus shares this parable. He says, a slave owned the master 10,000 talents. If you don't know what a talent is, it's equivalent to 15 years of wages. So 10,000 talents, obviously owing more than what he can repay. So, the master said he's going to get sold. I'm just going to give you the gist of the story, sorry. And then, he fell to the floor. He said, please have patience with me. I will repay it. The master has empathy or sympathy. And he says, don't worry about it. Don't need to repay it. The servant then, or the slave, then has gone to a fellow slave who owes him 100 denarii. Now a denarii is a day's wage. So as you can see, 10,000 talents, one talent being 15 years of wages, 100 denarii, which is 100 days of wages. And then the slave demands repayment. And the fellow slave asks for the same patience, and he says, no, you need to repay me. And he gets him thrown into jail. And so, 
Obviously, other slaves went to the master and they said, this slave that you have forgiven his debt, look what he's doing. And then the master found out, he was moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he was paid. Money is the topic of conversation, but forgiveness is essentially what this parable is about. And then in verse 35, it says, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother. And then just to re-emphasize it in Matthew 6, after the Lord's Prayer, it says, If you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you. So there's a consequence. It's not a beating of. It's just to say, listen, I know me. I know the things that I do. I ask for forgiveness and I want to walk in forgiveness. Who am I who have freely received forgiveness, withhold it from someone else? And so, freely as I am forgiven, freely I am to forgive others. I mean, some of us probably sitting right here right now are thinking of things. Things that people have done to us, things that we were wronged with, and things that might have happened years ago. Today, I want to encourage you and implore you to go before God and ask Him how to deal with these things. Why? Because He wants to free you. He wants you to walk in the fullness of what He has for you. Is it easy? Absolutely not. But the freedom of a weight lifted that comes with that is probably, I don't even know how to put it, There's no money can buy that. And so, if there is, please do not take lightly of forgiveness. The other thing that we notice from the story of Paul is Ananias comes to pray for him and he fills him with the Holy Spirit. You see, real transformation will only occur with the Holy Spirit. The day you and I accepted the truth of who He is, the Holy Spirit is already at work. And like I mentioned, with the disciplines that we follow in our life, then this just continues throughout our life. So it means never, ever, 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 at I'm turning 34 soon, I can say, listen, I have reached it. I have full comprehension. That is it. I am now a fully understanding Christian. Never. Till the day that we die, we will still continue to be transformed. And then there's not much about that in the Bible, but then we will be transformed into our heavenly form and we will be with Him. Which means the other very important thing of the transformed mind, or the being transformed rather, sorry, is eternal perspective. Peter, is it Peter? Yes. He says it, that we are to be aliens of this world, meaning that it shouldn't be strange for us that sometimes we get viewed as strange and different. But that means also that the things that we go through that are sometimes really tough and incredible are temporary because there is an eternity that waits for us. 
we see the sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit just before um, Jesus gets tempted in the desert for 40 days. We see that when Paul got filled with the Holy Spirit, he got healed, which was what the initial reason was sent for, and then after proclaiming Christ. And so the filling of the Spirit has always been some kind of activity to follow. And in every case, they began to do something. And so, if you're bold, go and ask the Holy Spirit, what is it? What, what have I been sitting on? What have I not been doing what I should be doing? I hope this is helpful today. I like to think of things practical because the thing is, information is good, but that doesn't necessarily always lead to transformation. And the kingdom of God is always advancing. And so, so should we. And then lastly, everything boils down to fruit in our life, which is Galatians 5, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, at the beginning, I read from 1 Timothy, and it says, it is for this we labor and strife. And so fruit, I come from a small town where we have export grapes. The grapes don't just grow. There's someone that needs to dig the holes, they need to fertilize the soil, they need to tend to the vine, and then after a couple of years only, they have fully developed the best grapes, I think four or five years, if I'm not mistaken. So it takes time, there's a labor, there's a striving that takes place, and the same is with the fruit of the Spirit. doesn't mean we're going to get it always right, but it means when we don't, then we own up, and we ask for forgiveness, and we learn from it. And so Galatians 5, verses 19, it says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. However, the Holy Spirit produces love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And I love what it says, there is no law against these things. I've got six more pages since we have time. No, I'm just kidding. So if you are in a place where you're having difficulty, maybe what we should be asking and saying, instead of looking to the difficulty, God, what are you producing right now in me? I know it's not easy at all. But from my experience, when God allows us to go through incredible hardships, it means that he is qualifying us for something that he wants to speak about. Or through you, rather. And that's why 
it's so important for us as being transformed to have fellowship with one another. Because I need to know what God is doing in your life so that I can be encouraged. I think I missed this point. Anyway, don't find it now. And so the thing is, to be transformed, one, spending time with him, yes. Two, only the Holy Spirit can do it. Three, there's an outward to it. It's not just for me. It is for those around me. And that's why in Acts it says they met daily in each other's homes. And like we are here today. Because we do need one another. And so, if you are not sure what some of your gifting is, the very thing that you're doing is most probably right in front of you. And then I want to implore you to use it, to do it. Like it says, if it's serving, show up on a Friday morning, come and serve. No one needs to know. If it is... Spending time with others. Do it. You know, we get so busy sometimes with the busyness of life that we put these things on the back burner. I was trying to find it this morning, but I I, I couldn't remember where I read it. It said people sometimes for 10 to 20 years don't see any transformation in their life, but yet they read the Word of God and they say, but how is that possible? Because there's not an outward application to their faith. We need to with what we have been given flow. It's kind of like a bucket of water. You fill it once and it just stands for a while. The water probably gets stale inside. Every now and then you need to throw it out and you need to pour new ones in. don't know if that's a good analogy. It's right now that I'm thinking of it. But So we need to keep on being refreshed and filled and we need to be a vessel flowing. And that can only happen by His grace, His mercy, and by the Holy Spirit. All right, I think that is it from me. Can I pray for us? And then we will close the meeting.